Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments, and get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure, or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. Welcome back to Health Talks Now. It's a podcast brought to you by Baptist Health. We've got an exciting episode lined up for you guys today. Yes, Larry Gray. He is the president of Baptist Health Louisville. It's a 519-bed hospital. Would you say it's our flagship? Yeah, I think so. I think Baptist Health System, you know, if you take it all the way back to its roots, was originated in Louisville. Yes, we're coming up on the centennial anniversary in a few years, too. Mm -hmm. Larry Gray began his career over 35 years ago with Baptist Health as a clinical chaplain. And he is committed, devoted, passionate about his staff. And I think that we'll hear that He's an excellent leader. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know uh, the folks who work in his hospital and who are on his staff really respect and Mm -hmm. have great things to say about him. So I'm excited. And we're going to specifically talk to him about his role in leadership as we've gone through this pandemic. And we've talked a lot to different clinicians Mm -hmm. and we've talked a lot about the clinical side and the mental health side of the pandemic. And we've had a few episodes uh, back early on in the pandemic with our CEO, mm-hmm. Jared Coleman, That's right. talking about kind of the leadership challenges and the overarching strategy for Baptist Health. But this is seemed like a good time to check in again mm-hmm. with someone who's kind of been behind uh, the decision-making and has been really driving the ship in terms of steering where we're going and making sure that this pandemic is managed appropriately and that we have what we need to respond. That's right. Well, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. You ready? Here we go. Mr. Gray, thank you so much for joining us by phone today. This is an important conversation and we're really glad to have you. Thank you, Carrie and Kendra. I look forward to the conversation. The COVID-19 pandemic has dominated the healthcare industry and the world for the better part of the last year. As president of Baptist Health Louisville, you've been on the front line of this battle against the disease, and you've seen firsthand the effort of healthcare workers and really the ferocity of this illness. What was it like when Baptist Health Louisville received the first doses of the vaccine? What was the mood like that day? Just walk us through what a monumental day that must have been. Absolutely. Actually, there were, you know, there were two monumental days for us. The first was the day we received the vaccine, for sure, and because we'd been communicating to across the hospital through our daily and communication that, you know, the vaccine was about to be approved, and when it was approved, it would be shipped, and we would be receiving the first shipment of the Pfizer vaccine. So we were preparing people, and so when the day finally finally came. Remember it well, Tuesday, December 15th, we pushed out information saying it's here, we're ready to go. The second day was December 16th, the following day, that Wednesday, when we actually placed the first vaccine in people's arms. Those first five doses that we placed allowed us to do some very special things. First of all, 
to ensure that our clinic was set up and was going to function well, and we had our processes all smoothed out, and so we were able to test them on that Wednesday. Uh, secondly, it really gave us an opportunity to showcase and celebrate the beginning of the vaccination process for us. And the third thing it did is it sent a very clear message on the safety of the vaccine uh, and our confidence in it. We had five people that uh, were chosen and agreed to be vaccinated. One was Dr. Anna Hart, who was our, is our uh, lead infectious disease physician through the pandemic, meets with us uh, every time incident command meets, emergency management and so forth, has been our constant advisor on uh, the pandemic. Dr. Suvin Jane, who is uh, one of our intensivists caring for COVID patients in our intensive care units primarily. Krista Kirby, one of our CCU nurses who cares, uh, who, who works on one of our COVID units, our critical care unit. Frank Porter, who's a respiratory therapist who works on our COVID units. And then Renee White, a nurse on 6 East, which is one of our designated COVID units. So the, the five of them agreed to be vaccinated as a, uh, as a symbol of what this was all about. And we set up a Zoom meeting so the people in the hospital could click into the Zoom meeting and watch the vaccinations actually take place oh, in wow. real time. Yeah, and then there was a news conference following uh, that, and we set up a Zoom meeting for, the, uh, for that news conference so people, I think we had over 200 employees were able to sign in to the Zoom meeting and listen to the questions asked and listen to the first five vaccinated personnel to talk about their experience and why it was important for them to be vaccinated. It was, it, was a, it was a great celebration and actually very moving. And then Dr. Jane, Dr. Jane developed a t-shirt uh, that simply says, keep calm and get vaccinated. Oh, wow. And had it on, had it on all, all five participants. And so we have replicated that. In fact, in, in honor of this conversation, I am wearing my uh, Keep Calm, Get oh, Vaccinated no t-shirt while we talk. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's wonderful. Great. Yeah. And so overall, it, it really was exciting and inspiring. And as I made rounds around the hospital and I, and I got reports from other people, like our house supervisors, uh, they indicated that there was an appreciable change in the mood around the hospital that people were finally allowing themselves to feel like there was hope that we were beginning to at least glimpse the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that must have been just a really emotion-filled day. We just had a really great conversation for another episode with Dr. Anna Hart's one of her partners in her practice with Dr. Benjamin Clossing. Yes. Uh, And that was a really, really insightful episode. He gave a lot of good background on the vaccine and a lot of reassurance. So I think it's been helpful. So how did the hospital have to prepare to receive the shipments? Was the needed storage equipment already on hand? Yes. In fact, one of the reasons we were chosen for the first round of the Pfizer vaccine was because we already had the appropriate storage capacity in place and uh, with the ability for to manage the extreme storage temperature required. I think it was 70 degrees, uh, minus 7 degrees centigrade or minus 94 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So we were ready. Mm-hmm. The pandemic has taken its toll physically and emotionally. How do you keep morale high with first responders and support staff? I will tell you right up front, our staff have performed with courage and compassion and competence throughout this pandemic. 
Yet I know that all of us have had our moments of anxiety and sadness and bewilderment and discouragement uh, just through what all we faced. And because of the size of our hospital and the incidence of COVID in our larger metropolitan community, our staff uh, have cared for 10% of all Kentucky patients who have died from complications related to COVID to date. And so that's pretty significant weight. So it's been heavy. And throughout the last 10 months, we have had several responses that have helped us to maintain our work. First of all, we made sure all of our colleagues knew how to access our employee assistance services and our licensed therapists that were available to them through our Baptist Health System Behavioral Health Network. Mm-hmm. You know, we all can benefit from talking to someone outside our experience to gain some perspective or help us process our anxiety. And so we made sure folks had those numbers and knew that they had access uh, to those services. Uh, secondly, we have we have wonderful support from the community, businesses, restaurants who stepped up and provided food to hard hit uh, hard hit units, or money for us to buy uh, special treats for our colleagues as a way of recognizing their hard work. And many of those folks donated to our foundation for that uh, for those efforts. Yeah, that we, was encouraging. Uh, we have a group of employees who put a committee together who recommended or planned special events and celebrations like ice, handing out ice cream uh, or popcorn distribution, creating respite rooms uh, on some of the units for moments of quiet and reflection and meditation. And we had a professional group in town uh, come and paint on our construction barriers uh, that, are, that are up right now in some of our areas of construction that... Uh, pictured and celebrated our everyday heroes uh, among our staff, everybody from housekeeping to nurses to physicians. We also recently began a food pantry with Kroger's help uh, for employees who's, you know, for a lot of our employees uh, that may have a spouse who is unemployed because of the pandemic, kids at home with homeschooling, and they're used to them being at school, getting their lunches and sometimes even a, a breakfast at school. And so this is a particularly difficult time for for many folks in our community, including some of our own employees. And so this food pantry has been a a real support to them, and we've gotten really good feedback about how helpful that's been. We've tried to make sure that the executive team folks have been out uh, rounding in the hospital, being seen, but also listening firsthand to the stressors and concerns and you know, helping us to respond to those things uh, as our colleagues bring them up. One of the things that we also did uh, as a way of helping with morale and, and what was going on was that from the very beginning, I sent out real data about our experiences with COVID. Very early on, uh, while the anxiety was real high because we really didn't know all that was going on around us and what this, what this virus was about, I sent that out daily. And so all new, this was also new, we were learning as we went, and over time, uh, we began to add more information, like our own employee quarantine data and charts to demonstrate our experience. As we moved through the pandemic, we started reporting the data just on Wednesdays, because people were beginning to feel like that was enough. But we decided that we were going to be extremely transparent with our experience. We operated under the belief that people can handle bad or difficult news better than they can handle no news. And so we still struggle sometimes with employee trust uh, because of the guidance from the CDC and social media was changing as rapidly as 
we were learning about the virus. But overall, I believe that they trusted us, that we were being as transparent with everything we knew that we could be and that we were trying to ensure the integrity of our communication. So sometimes information even sounded contradictory because things were changing so rapidly early on. But we made a decision not to shy away from reporting what we knew and when we knew it. And in the in the information we've received and, and comments we've received back from our staff, that information has been helpful. Yeah, I think that was so important to make people feel like they were part of the process, that they were included in the communications and the decision-making that was happening, at least being aware and learning from the source uh, what to expect because things were changing so quickly. What keeps you up at night? Do you feel the weight and the responsibility of leading this hospital through such a critical pandemic? Yeah, you know, my first response is, you know, I'm getting old. Everything keeps me up at night. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I, I definitely have felt, felt the weight over the last 11, 10, 11 months. And, and primarily, I think what keeps me up at night is when I have felt deeply for what our frontline staff were experiencing and sort of the weight of responsibility that they were carrying and worried for our staff who were struggling financially due to spouses being unemployed or feeding the kids, as I just mentioned a while ago. I, I worried when I wished that I had answers that I just knew I didn't have or, you know, wishing for a way to make this go away and knowing that that was, but those are the kinds of conversations you get yourself in ruminating in the middle of the night when you wake up you know worried how we were going to manage as our numbers climbed over 100 patients with COVID in the middle part of the pandemic but I will say on the other hand that those times of worrying or sleepless nights were, were times that I was able to also remind myself that I was surrounded by a great team of executives and leaders uh, who really came through every day of this pandemic you know, folks that carried the weight collectively. So it really wasn't on one person's shoulders. And that was a helpful reminder to keep telling myself that, that uh, we have a team of folks, of leaders who put together an integrated and comprehensive surge plan that would take care of the most severe what-ifs that we might face. We had great support from the system teams who were scouring the country and the media for best practices and for more PPE. I, I was constantly reminded that I was not alone, that we are not alone, and together we could get through anything. So I think that we, by staying in constant conversation about next steps, helped. And, and I will also say that even in spite of the pandemic, we still have some very important strategic projects that we're moving forward and you know, to remind ourselves of those and to take time away from COVID and vaccination conversations to continue to dream about a better future and the completion of important initiatives to serve our community, those things helped as well as we have moved through this process. Sure. I think this whole year has highlighted the importance and the need for community and for team building and, and just for our humanity as a people and for our reliance and our dependence on each other. Walk us through the last year. I think none of us expected this pandemic to span an entire year. You've mentioned some of the challenges that we've faced. What is your biggest lesson learned, Ben? Yeah. Well, you know, we, 
I don't think there's any organization, any business, any industry, any community that doesn't understand the challenges of communication in general. And, and it's been one of our biggest challenges through this. Um, just the pragmatic challenges of keeping everybody informed when not everybody accesses the same ways of getting their information. And, you know, we depend a lot on huddles and safety huddles and a a variety of group settings when even those kind of group settings were strained because of social distancing and masking and all those sorts of things. And the pragmatics of managing PPE with, you know, sort of an interrupted and sometimes broken supply chain system nationally and internationally. And not just internal communication, but combating the misinformation, the conspiracy theories, and all the deniers in social media. All of that, I think, has really raised the challenge of, of communication and meaningful conversation in the, in the context of all of this. And that's just been, continues to be a challenge for all of us to think through ways of getting important and appropriate information into the right hands at the right time for decisions and for uh, the work that we do. How has this pandemic shaped the way hospitals will operate in the future? And how has the landscape of healthcare been affected long-term? First of all, just uh, remote work. We've learned even in healthcare with a lot of our support systems that even though direct patient care obviously is direct patient care, a lot of our support systems can continue to work just well with remote remote work and I think we've learned that that is a viable way of our getting work done and I think that will that will continue into the future I don't think just because a pandemic is behind us someday we're going to say okay everybody come back to the office I I think we're learning some good lessons around that the second is uh, in terms of telemedicine you know we we have we're already working with some telemedicine concepts. We were already beginning to do some telepsychiatry and, and therapy uh, through telemedicine uh, and for behavioral health. But this has really accelerated that for us. And we have done significant amount. I know as you've talked to others, you've heard how much we've done across the Baptist Health System in telemedicine in the last 11 months. And I think we'll continue to see that acceleration even after the pandemic and will help change for better uh, access to care that otherwise would not people would not have access to. And I think we're going to see that just for example with behavioral health embedded in primary care offices through through telehealth. We know that even in good times that that depression, anxiety, sadness, those things become almost like comorbidities to a lot of other chronic diseases and when we can deal with those help our our patients deal with with those behavioral health issues, they do much better with their chronic disease management or their illness in general. I think it's also shown a bright spotlight on healthcare and social disparities, including economic and educational and ethnic and racial divides. I mean, just follow the data. We have seen higher death rates in minority groups and higher comorbidities in some groups and lack of access to appropriate care for some groups. And we've seen essential workers, people who were named essential workers who didn't have access to isolation and quarantine and sometimes the protections they needed. And I think all this should impact medical research and funding for systems to improve access to primary care and to health literacy. We, we as communities, I think, are going to have to understand 
and perhaps have a better picture of how housing insecurity and food insecurity impact the overall wellness of communities and their abilities to face something like we have faced in this pandemic. So I think healthcare for the future is going to be accelerated in some of our work around value-based care and community health and understanding the impact. Yeah, that's been one of the things that's come out of this pandemic, I think, is while certainly it has been devastating in many ways, it's also really kind of forced our hand to innovate and to adapt and to maybe take some big leaps that we wouldn't have taken so soon, but it's really propelled us in a direction that I agree, I don't I don't think we will turn from. You're right. And to the benefit of the patient, there's less siloed care with individual service lines, and we've seen a lot more referrals and cross-references and support. In terms of your region, your AOR, what advice do you have? What do you want to convey to the residents of Louisville? I think we have to expand our commitment to working together to address the challenges that I, that I just mentioned. As citizens, as, as a larger community, with the understanding, again, one of the lessons we've learned is I really think there's nothing that we can't accomplish if we work together and create the right synergies around acknowledging the voice uh, voices of people from disparate groups um, and resources and that we can work together to address these issues. And I, you know, and I, and I would say to the larger community that, that Baptist Health is here to care for you and to serve for you, and we can do that well. But also in, in this market in particular, we are fortunate that we are rich in healthcare resources in this area, and we will get through this. I I'm, I'm remain convinced of that, and that we'll get through this together. Well, let me ask you one thing as we wrap up here. We know that you are a man of faith and that you began your journey in the in the healthcare space as a chaplain. So has there been a guiding verse for, that you've come back to or a bit of encouragement that you've really clung to to get through this difficult time? Rather than a verse, I think there's an overall awareness, a couple of things that, that have sustained me personally and that I've tried to share with folks around me in my actions and, and what I've said in my messages to our staff and our e-newsletters and so forth. The first is I I really am a person of hope in the sense that I believe that whatever we are facing today, as tragic as it might be or complicated or complex or difficult as it might be, that the crisis in front of us does not have the last word, that we still have choices that we make and how we respond to the crisis. We have choices that we can make about how we're going to allow this crisis to define us or how we will define the crisis. And that that hope is ultimately based on our ability, as I've said, to, to work together, to lock arms together, and to walk in even into uncertainty. That I think we have learned that we are a whole lot more resilient than we ever thought. And, and so we... I'm hopeful about whatever we face, that, that that there is a possibility of a different future. And I think, secondly, I've learned more about the power and the importance of, of gratitude. I've always been a pretty grateful person. I always say thanks to people. I, you know, I'm a good, nice person. But I think at a deeper level, to really understand 
the struggle we have between defining our experience by a sense of abundance or a sense of scarcity, that mindset and gratitude for what's around us and the things that we have can help us manage those things that we, again, that uh, would, would tell us otherwise. Those crises or experiences that, that challenge us. And so I've been, I've been trying to be very mindful about practicing gratitude uh, for what I have and what we have and, um, and gratitude for the people who surround me and that I can depend on. And the practice I've been, I've been working on, it's really easy for me just to say to you, gosh, you know, I am grateful for you. It, it is more challenging and more intentional to be able to say, Terry, I am grateful to you because this is what I've seen you do. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the spirit in which you did that work. I, I'm grateful for what I saw, the way you interacted with that patient. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious they felt cared for. Yeah. You know, to be very specific in that. And again, we can't, we can't control things like viruses and pandemics that come our way unexpected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing we did that caused that. What we have in front of us is we decide how we're going to respond to it how we're going to live through it, how we're going to move through it, and how we're going to continue to dream about a different future and and work towards that future. Thank you so much for your time today. We really hope uh, that we can talk to you again soon. Yes, thank you so much. That was encouraging. Mm -hmm. I think, gosh, the focus on gratitude is something I've also been trying to move toward mm-hmm. um like he said you it's easy to say i'm so grateful mm-hmm. you know or we just need to be more thankful mm-hmm. but putting it into practice of the really specific it reminds me of the book a thousand gifts yes have you read that yes yeah where she's like every small thing like i'm grateful yes. that the sun was shining today it's a completely I, yeah. it's a paradigm shift that yeah. yes the scarcity versus abundance mentality that he was talking mm-hmm. about really resonated with me of the especially since so many people have lost so much this past year not mm-hmm. only you know in the loss of life that we've experienced but also in jobs yeah. and financial security and relationships i mean you know the divorce rate is up like 40% i read last You're right. this past year so People have just really experienced loss at at every level, Mm -hmm. I think. The loss of expectation, the loss of hopes and dreams and goals, and that it's easy to get stuck in that mentality of, I don't have this. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that. But to take the time to be intentional and say, look what I do have today. Sure. Even if it's a warm cup of coffee. Yeah. Look what I do have. Sure. Yeah, and it was, it was great to hear the uh, focus and attention that he's um, paying to his staff and knowing mm-hmm. that they are not immune to this yeah. impact and that they experience hardships outside of the hospital Absolutely. with their own family. So thank you for tuning in. Don't miss another episode of Health Talks Now. Make sure you are subscribing to our podcast. We have a lot planned throughout season two, mm-hmm. and we don't want you to miss an episode. That's right. We'll see you next time on Health Talks Now. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment, and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, 
and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com.